I grew up a nomadic military dependent, moving every three to four years, every time my father was reassigned by the United States Air Force to a new tour of duty. And I saw a lot of interesting customs and exotic places. I got to live in northern Italy for four years. That was amazing. But I realized afterwards that there's a lot to be said for rootedness and stability, being in one place for a long time. And one of the first people who started to make me aware of this was one of my most influential teachers in college. I had a professor named Ralph Wood who taught me Christian literary classics and introduced me to this amazing woman named Flannery O'Connor who is a Southern Catholic writer who is unique, let's say, in her style and in her work. She once wrote to another Southern writer to give her some advice about how to make her fiction more real. And this woman perhaps may have been living in New York because O'Connor wrote about how artificial the New York literary parties were. And she advised this other writer, you would do better to move. Because the problem with that kind of folks, she says, is that they ain't from anywhere. She said, you would be much better moving to a small town in South Alabama with a population less than 5,000 people and just living there for a while to get imbued with reality, the reality of that place. Well, whether you had a nomadic existence growing up like me, or whether you have grown up and spent your whole life here in Montgomery, Alabama, places change. Whether we like them to or not, they eventually change. I think about where I live in suburban Atlanta and within memory, some of the old timers tell me that 50 years ago, it was all countryside and now it's one big suburban sprawl of concrete. When was the last time you visited your old high school? I guarantee you the customs in that old high school have changed along with the students that now populate it. And what about this church building? And this neighborhood, they've changed a lot too, haven't they? They used to be filled with people, and it used to be a different kind of place than it is now. The neighborhood used to be different. Parishioners used to live much closer to the church. We heard today about St. Stephen, and particularly we heard about his death, his martyrdom. He was the first martyr. He was also the first deacon. And one of the themes of his defense when he was brought before the council, one of the main themes were the customs and the holy place, that is the temple, that they were most familiar with. And he was brought before them and charged and accused of speaking against this holy place and speaking against the customs of their father Moses. And so he comes before them and he starts off in his defense. And he gives an account of all of salvation history going all the way back to Abraham and how Abraham was called by God to leave the place he called home, to go to this strange place called Haran, 
and then to go to another strange place. And he continues the story about how Joseph was sold into slavery into a faraway place, a strange land called Egypt. But thank God, because it was part of his plan, because a famine was coming. And Joseph, by God's favor, was able to save his family from the famine. And then later, when a new Pharaoh appeared and the children of Israel became subjected to slavery and bondage, God sent a deliverer, Moses, to them to lead them out of that place of slavery into the promised land. But when they were in the wilderness, they rejected him again and again and again. They rejected his direction. When Moses came down off the mountain with the commandments, he found them worshiping a golden calf. God gave them directions about what to do. And one of those was about a place to worship. He gave them directions about a tabernacle to build, a tent, a movable house of worship in the wilderness so that they could worship as they journeyed. But when they came to Israel, when they came to the promised land, they said, oh, well, we don't need the tent anymore, so let's build a temple. Let's build something solid like this building. Let's build something solid because we're established now. And so they did that. But unfortunately, this building, which was built out of hard stone, mirrored, unfortunately, a hardening of their hearts. And so Stephen finally says at the very end, he says, you stiff-necked people, always resisting the Holy Spirit, which of the prophets did you not persecute and kill? God gave you the law and you do not keep it. So what does this bit of ancient history mean for us today? Well, I think it means this. I have a question for you. How does the risen Christ challenge the places and customs with which you are most familiar? And so let's do a little bit of history, just like Stephen did a bit of history in his time. Let's do a little bit of history about this place. This place was built by the blood, sweat, and tears of your immigrant forefathers and foremothers. God rest their souls. God rest their souls. They came to this country with not two cents to rub together. And they built this place as the center of their community life. But guess what? You are no longer immigrants. You are no longer immigrants. You have become integrated into this society. You are doctors and lawyers and dentists and businessmen and women. Places change. You've changed. It used to be that we didn't speak very good English. Well, now we all speak pretty good English. So what does that mean for us here? How do we figure out how to cultivate and cherish this gift that we've been given and yet be connected to the changed reality around us? People used to live in this neighborhood. Now they live in the suburbs. What does that mean? What does the risen Christ have to say about what happens here because of that change. And I think the best thing that we can all do as we think about St. Stephen, whom we commemorate today, and about whose defense we heard, you remember at the very end, the heavens were opened and he said, I see the Son of God sitting at the right hand of the Father. And that was what put them over the edge. They dragged him outside of the city and out of the overflow of their stony hearts, they stoned him to death. Well, 
I think for us, what God calls us to do is to seek his face in every place, starting with this one. To seek his face in every place and not to resist the Holy Spirit. And the preeminent place for us to seek his face is in Holy Scripture. In Holy Scripture. But also in the faces of our brothers and sisters around us. Because all of us are made in the image of God. And I hope that if we do that earnestly, that God will give us the grace and the wisdom to see how we can make this place less of the cultural center that it used to be and that it needed to be at that time and more of a church in America, a beacon, an outpost of the most ancient Christian faith on planet Earth. I hope that he'll give us the grace to stop playing defense about our culture, that we got to keep it alive. Why don't we start playing offense and start thinking about how we're going to teach the people around us the language of the scriptures and the language of the fathers. We honor our forefathers, but you are not them. You are not them. So I challenge you to honor them by seeking Christ's face in every place, starting with this one.